Is the electric age a game changer for South Africa's automotive industry? Or does it pose a risk to the nation's economy? That's our topic today in Shaping Sustainable Supply Chains. I'm Nicholas Martin. Good to have you with us. The car industry is an important income generator for South Africa. As a side note, the first vehicles were manufactured there already in the 1920s, almost a century ago. So there are already established supply chains within the country. Now the global auto industry is electrifying vehicles and batteries are needed everywhere. Being a country with rich mineral resources, could this be a once-in-a-lifetime chance for more and better jobs and increased prosperity? That's what we want to discuss today, and I'm very happy to be joined by Justin Barnes. Good to have you on the show, Justin. Ah, Nicholas, great to be on the show. Justin has dedicated almost his whole career to the auto sector as a policy advisor, as a consultant for industry as well as national governments. Currently, he's the executive director of TWIMS, which stands for Toyota Vessels Institute for Manufacturing Studies based in Durban. Justin, before we dive into the conversation, I would like you to finish these sentences and um, we can get a little idea of your positions. Perfect. Go for it. All right. Cars are important for South Africa because? They create substantial wealth for the local economy. The shift from combustion engine vehicles to electric vehicles means? A complicated process of adjustment for the local automotive industry. Mineral resources are? An important part of the South African economy. You already said it, you already mentioned it. The car industry is important for South Africa and it has a long tradition um, with Ford and General Motors building the first assembly plants there already in 1924 and 1926, respectively. But going back to the importance for South Africa, which role does the auto sector play for the South African economy today? So Nicholas, the South African automotive industry is an important contributor to gross domestic product. Uh, the manufacturing portion of the value chain contributes around 4% of GDP. And retail and uh, services make up a further 3%. So roughly 7% of the South African economy is generated from automotive, uh, industrial and, and commercial activity. The industry employs in the manufacturing space around 115,000 people were 30,000 in the vehicle assembly industry, uh, roughly 80,000 in the auto components industry and 5,000 in the tire industry. So it's an important industry. It's got very strong multipliers into the domestic economy. It has strong technology spillover effects and um, has a substantial impact on uh, an associated value chain such as plastics and steel and um, some other critical subsectors like glass. South Africa doesn't have its own car brand, right? No. no. South Africa is home to seven multinational vehicle assemblers. Mm -hmm. Which are? There is no local production. The seven vehicle assemblers are uh, Volkswagen, mm -hmm. Mercedes-Benz, and BMW, the three German OEMs. Then there are three Japanese-based OEMs, Toyota, Isuzu, and Nissan. And finally, there is one American OEM, uh, Ford Motor Company. 
So, according to my reading, there were times when South African vehicle production accounted for 1% of the global vehicle production. And today it's only half of that or little more than half of that. What are the reasons for the decline? Have others like China, for instance, become better or has South Africa become worse? South Africa had a particular period where its economy boomed. Uh, this was in the 1960s and 70s when the industry consumed or rather the domestic market consumed the majority of what was produced locally. The industry then went into a period of decline uh, towards the end of apartheid under sanctions. The industry uh, declined as the domestic market struggled. And then when democracy started in the country in 1994, the industry went through a major structural adjustment. The tariff barriers were reduced substantially and the government introduced a program called the Motor Industry Development Program, which essentially encouraged an export orientation to the industry. And this resulted in the industry changing the structure of its production from one where many models, so upwards of 30 or 40 models of vehicles were made in the domestic market in small volume, uh, individually for the local market. They were converted to um, single or dual vehicle assembly plants or model assembly plants where large volume, larger volumes were produced for the global marketplace. And the industry then repositioned itself uh, and took on a strong global orientation. Volumes went up in at the At the time of democracy, South Africa produced around about 350,000 vehicles. In 2022, it will produce around about half a million vehicles, maybe a bit more, 550,000 this year. It peaked in uh, 2006 at around um, the domestic market, at least at 700,000 vehicles of consumption. Uh, and production peaked in the mid-2010s at around 620 or 30,000. So that's the that's the size of the of the South African automotive industry. So historically, it's played a bigger role globally because of the larger share of the South African market within the global automotive industry. It went through a period of of decline and uh, actually increased its performance quite substantially up until the early 2010s, and has struggled since then um, because the domestic market has been in a period of decline once again uh, over the last decade. Now there is, let's say, a new dream for South Africa on the horizon. Europe, Asia and also the US, they all need batteries for electric vehicles. And as we know, batteries consist of a variety of natural resources that are also located in South Africa. So the idea is due to the own resources becoming more independent from global competitors. Bolivia, for instance, which is a, which is very rich in lithium, wants to become a battery hub. Justin, couldn't this be a way to stop the decline of the South African auto industry? Well, first of all, you know, for me, the, the decline of the South African automotive industry relates to struggles in the domestic marketplace. The automotive industry in South Africa has proven itself to be a reliable exporter of uh, completely built-up units. So its ability to assemble cars has been clearly demonstrated, not only in terms of the volumes being exported, but also in terms of the quality awards of the various assembly plants. So South Africa has demonstrated its ability to, to produce cars at a global standard consistently now for a couple of decades. The challenge lies in the connection between subsidiary operations in South Africa making internal combustion engine vehicles 
and the emergence of these new energy vehicles, whether that be battery electric or, or hybrid um, uh, associated vehicles. And the challenge in, in South Africa is that the assembly of vehicles is not connected to the country's materials base because, of course, the automotive industry forms part of a global value chain. So all of the vehicles that are made in South Africa are also made somewhere else. And that somewhere else is really important because although South Africa makes a, a large number of vehicles, it is still a very small player by global standards. And there's always a much bigger sister plant that makes an equivalent model of the South African produced vehicle somewhere else. And the consequence of that is that South Africa is in many ways a technology colony. South Africa assembles vehicles for global uh, parent companies. Uh, those assembled vehicles create substantial wealth for the domestic economy, but there is no major link to either the powertrain or the drivetrain of those particular vehicles because those core technologies typically still lie in the home countries of the multinational uh, parent organizations. The consequence is that there's a tenuous link between South Africa's materials base and South Africa's vehicle industry. So when we think of the opportunities for the downstream beneficiation of minerals, which there are clearly abundant opportunities in that regard for South Africa, it doesn't necessarily link directly to the vehicle assembly operations themselves. And the reason for this is that each of the vehicle assemblers globally has their own technology roadmap. They have invested in their own particular chemistries for batteries, they have their own particular phasing out of the internal combustion engine and phasing in of a new energy vehicle, whether it be a soft hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, or a shift directly towards battery electric vehicles. And how that technology shift takes place is not linked to the nature of the assembly operations in South Africa because the vehicle assemblers in the country do not do any research and development in South Africa. Mm. So the link's tenuous. Okay, but uh, is the government thinking like you do? Not necessarily. I think there are some people in the South African government who have made the link between the emergence of battery electrification in vehicles and the fact that South Africa has a vehicle industry and have put two and two together and got 57. Uh, they think that there is an opportunity in uh, linking the two. The challenge, of course, is that we do not have a South African vehicle assembler We assemble vehicles. We do not uh, own the proprietary technology that sits within the core powertrain and drivetrain of those vehicles that lies with their parent companies. And the consequence of that is that there may be opportunities within both the minerals beneficiation and the vehicle assembly space, but the link between the two is an artificial one. I would, I would argue that the two are not linked at all. But I've read, for instance, in a UN study uh, from UNIDO that clearly recommends building up some sort of battery production uh, for the electric age. Um, what do you think? What speaks against it? The key issues here are around where the technology sits. So... If we look at the leading vehicle assemblers globally, they are spending billions of dollars every year on advancing their new energy vehicle technologies. The technology space appears to be dominated by the chemistry processes. Um, 
in order to secure the advantages of stability, because of course managing the thermal properties of batteries is important. It's built around longevity, making sure that the batteries are durable and are able to propel cars over vast distances uh, between their charges uh, in order to deal with range anxiety. And of course, price. The, vehicle, the batteries have to come down to a pricing level that makes them competitive with um, alternative propulsion technologies. So that technology basket has resulted in thousands of patents, uh, billions of dollars of, of R&D, which is linked to the materials, but needs to be understood as being separate from the materials. There are a range of contending min minerals and uh, materials and technology investments that are being made in this materials and uh, applied material space, which may lend themselves towards the propulsion of the vehicles being made in South Africa, but which may not. Mm. So if we try and understand this global value chain, trying to link local assembly to local materials um, does not, for me, appear to be a particularly sensible potential or sensible link-up. We have 115,000 well-paid jobs in the South African automotive value chain that presently makes internal combustion engine vehicles. Those vehicles need to transition to new energy vehicles in the future. But quite bluntly, where the, those um, battery packs that are likely to be imported in the short term uh, for assembly in South African-made vehicles are made with South African minerals or Chinese minerals or Peruvian minerals is quite bluntly irrelevant. What is important is that South Africa maintains its position as a vehicle assembler within the global value chain of the world's vehicle assemblers. My concern is if government tries to create policy that forces alignment between the two, we may end up with um, limited vehicle assembly in the country, hmm. which is the last thing the country needs. What is the status quo in South Africa right now? Is battery production already part of government plans or is it just in the thinking? It's just in the thinking. So at the present moment, South Africa does not do battery uh, production. South Africa packs batteries. So there is battery assemblies. First of all, there's lead acid battery production in South Africa, which is uh, a different thing completely. But there is the packaging of, of batteries, especially in relation to for cell towers and, and things like that. So it's not that South Africa does not have the ability to assemble batteries. It doesn't have the ability to actually manufacture the batteries. And this is where it gets complicated because the amount of investment for a Uh, an advanced battery plant capable of supplying a vehicle assembler, it runs into the billions of dollars, which is not on the horizon for South Africa. First of all, those, those batteries would have to be exported because there's no demand for battery electric vehicles in the country. Battery electric vehicles have grown very rapidly in places like the European market area because of government subsidies. This is a very politically contentious statement I'm about to make. There is no business case for battery electric vehicles on a comparative basis with internal combustion engine cars. None. The only reason why battery electric vehicles are competitive is because of government incentives. Um, and as a consequence, we've seen battery electric vehicles grow in popularity across uh, the European market area, as an example, because of the very generous incentives that are being provided. In a South African context where there are no incentives being provided because of the government's very constrained fiscal position, there are very few battery electric vehicles. 
So this whole dream of, let's say, reversing the power relationship um, uh, between South Africa and uh, the global South and the global North um, will be and will be a dream. See, I have a different perspective on this. I'm, I'm, I, I think that the best opportunities to develop the global South is to embrace the global North. The, the South African, as, as an example, Thailand's automotive industry produces five times what the South African automotive industry produces. Mm -hmm. uh, it has 60% local content as opposed to 40% local content in South Africa. It's uh, now undertaking uh, high levels of uh, product engineering and, and adaptive R&D for the multinationals. It, there's no indigenous Thailand automotive brand. So why has Thailand been so successful? It's been so successful because it has essentially um, not tried to reposition itself in opposition to, but rather embraced and become part of the global value chain. Uh, South Africa needs to be very careful it either needs to signal that it is part of the global value chain, embraces the global value chain, and will continue to provide value into that global value chain, or it wants to go its own way. Mm. If it wants to go its own way, it had better be able to go its own way. And I can tell you as a South African living in South Africa, that second option does not have a good ending. Mm -hmm. So I am not confident at all that South Africa has the ability to disconnect itself or reposition itself in the global value chain. It rather needs the global value chain in order to deepen its capabilities and, and grow its capabilities through its participation in these global value chains, as opposed to endeavoring to reposition itself uh, in, with some form of, of sort of independence movement, decoupling itself from, from the GVC. I just don't think that's healthy. Mm, so you also don't agree to the school of thought that sees increased value added within the global south as a powerful tool to dismantle this the current world order let's say well i do see it as a powerful incentive to to do so i just think you do it through engagement not through disengagement hence my use of the thailand uh, example i've done a lot of work in thailand over the years i've done a lot of work in places like turkey as well and i mean turkey is another uh, automotive economy that's done incredibly well much much better than south africa i know it's based in the global north but you know, it's, it's hardly been at the center of the global automotive industry. And yet it's repositioned itself, not through its own brands, but by adding more and more value to global brands who position themselves and, and uh, located plants in that country. Um, the danger in South Africa is that we try and reposition ourselves uh, in opposition to, as opposed to repositioning ourselves through. So I'm not saying we shouldn't reposition ourselves or that there isn't enough value that should be, or that more value should not be redistributed to the South. Absolutely more value should be redistributed to the South. But we should earn that value. We should uh, advance the capabilities of our assembly plants. My, my, my view is that there's much greater chance of building a more dynamic, much larger scale vehicle operation, a vehicle value chain in South Africa through the assemblers than there is through some dream of um, capturing uh, a rare earth or a new mineral that has got amazing battery technology properties. Because then the, the reality is minerals by themselves aren't very valuable. Minerals have to be catalyzed in chemical solutions. They've got to form part of chemical reactions in order to uh, either store or distribute energy in an effective and controllable way. That's science that requires billions of dollars of investment and uh, large amounts of 
uh, advanced industrial technological capability that invariably only lies in a very few centers around the world. Mm. So, and that's why my comment is: if you choose to go the if you choose to go the independent route, you're, you're likely to end up in the wrong place. So I sum up: you're saying let's use the resources that we have in in terms of research and development for improving what we have already there, and not start restarting with battery production, for instance. Um, but but once again, what 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 is your idea with the resources? Uh, if if the value added is not done within the country, what else can the resources do to make the country catch up economically? So let me give you an example. Let's take batteries. So batteries still need to be assembled into a car. So let's just take South Africa. We only have one engine plant in the country. All the other vehicle assemblers. So of the seven vehicle assemblers, only one has a local engine. All the other six OEMs, and these are the big vehicle assemblers in the country, all of them fully import the engines and transmission systems. So when they get replaced with a battery pack, South Africa doesn't lose very much, first of all, because we never made the engines. Um, the second element is that all batteries have to be packaged. So there is a battery management system, which has a whole lot of control mechanisms uh, that has to be uh, Uh, placed alongside the uh, the battery pack itself. And then, of course, there's the charger and there's a whole range of other thermal management sort of processes and um, expensive harnessing, etc. that can deal with the charge rates from a battery electric vehicle that need to be, um, that need to be assembled. Those, if, if we were to localize the assembly, it would open up the opportunity for us to understand the technology. It would give us the opportunity to create more jobs. It would enable us to create more value for the local OEMs. You've invested billions of dollars in the South African economy to build their state-of-the-art plants in the country. Um, and the consequence of that would be that we would master more of the technology through the multinationals, which would allow us, if we were to continue to build our automotive industry to say 1 million or 1.5 million units in the future, we would then be positioned when, when the multinationals were looking to expand their vehicle battery footprint globally, that they would build a plant in South Africa and we would get access to that technology via our established credentials. But nevertheless... That gives us the best chance yeah, of growing. Looking at your suggestion, this also means that the power always will lie in the hands of the multinationals, right? The power would, would still lie in the hands of the multinationals, yes. Mm, okay. I'm not talking about the mineral side. I'm talking specifically on the vehicle assembly side. So I want to put this into context. So the vehicle assemblers in the country, in South Africa, directly generates about 84 billion rands worth of what we call gross value added. That's a manufacturing value added. The, the danger is if those seven OEMs were displaced or were to lose their export focus and were to... Many African economies have vehicle assembly operations. And let me explain their vehicle assembly operations. They are something that we call an SKD, semi-knockdown. A semi-knockdown is essentially a reassembled car. They have no multipliers, they don't create jobs, maybe 100 in a plant, you need maybe one or two million dollars to establish a semi-knockdown operation. As an academic, I could run one of those plants, no problem, they're very easy to manage. Mm -hmm. And then you get a CKD plant. For a CKD plant to operate, it needs a body shop and it needs a paint shop. 
A body shop and a paint shop in any plant of more than about 60,000 units, which is the minimum required to justify the investment, you're looking at around about a billion dollars of investment for a body shop and a paint mm. shop. So we're talking about a couple of million dollar investment to a billion dollar investment. South Africa has those investments. So we've got seven vehicle assemblers in the country that have body shops, they have paint shops. They have advanced supply chains and they create massive multipliers through the headlinings, the bodies, the parcel shelves, the seats, the carpets, the harnesses, the front end modules, the exhaust systems, the bumpers, the wing mirrors. And that creates massive wealth for the South African economy. They then import core powertrains, all the engines, all the transmissions, and all the core drivetrain technology to the wheels. Those are all imported. And so the danger is we must be very careful we don't get caught up in the ideological position that says we want more, and we want so much more that we potentially lose the bit that we have. So looking back at the title, um, is the electric age a game changer for South Africa's automotive industry or does it even pose a risk to the nation's economy? Uh, you would rather agree to the, to the last one, right? I do think it's a game changer. I think that South Africa could position itself as a major player within the new battery electric vehicle future. The electric age is a game changer for the global auto industry. It's not just South Africa that's going to fundamentally change. Does it represent a shortcut or a new window of opportunity that opens up a particular unique advantage for South Africa? I don't think so at all. Justin Barnes, auto expert and executive director of the Toyota Vessels Institute for Manufacturing Studies. Thank you so much for these insights. Absolute pleasure, Nicholas. Nice chatting to you. It was great having you on the show. And that was our ninth episode of Shaping Sustainable Supply Chains. We will be back soon. Thanks for listening. I'm Nicholas Martin. Be safe and be well.